Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me today are the usual suspects I have with us. We have Spirit slash Kate. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Hello. Did you enjoy your extra hour of sleeping from Daylight Savings Time? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, I was a little bit worried that my alarm clock wouldn't auto-update, because I set an alarm to make sure I woke up before the podcast, and then... But it did auto-update, and I got plenty of sleep, so, you know, it's a non-issue. Uh, anyway, uh, and then, once again, joining us, we have Evie. How are you doing? I'm doing especially good today, because I can finally eat, because I have pain medication for my wisdom tooth that is coming out. Ooh, brutal. So, so I'm in an especially good mood right now. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot uh, empathize. I do not have wisdom teeth. Yeah, I mine are coming out, and they're not like pushing on any other teeth or anything like that. So I'm lucky. Yeah, but it's still coming out. So just <laughs> uh, to the world. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, speaking of speaking of teeth, make sure that you don't uh, rot all of yours out with all this Halloween candy, because it's time to talk about the Halloween patch. You're welcome. So, uh, yeah, time for the rotating cog slash Pash Adams slash whatever the segment's going to be this week. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh, no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? So we have the Halloween patch. Uh, the Mad King has returned. Uh, I hear... Again, yeah, well, of course, as he always does. Uh, I heard Kate has been playing quite a bit. Do you want to talk about some of the things that are new or different this year, or what you've been doing? Um, well, I, I can't really say that a lot of things are new or different, to be <laughs> honest. But um, it is is returning Blood and Madness from last year. It's pretty much the same content. You know, the Labyrinth is open again, the Clock Tower, there's two tiny little story instances... Um, but I have been enjoying it. Uh, the spirit of Halloween is a long-standing tradition in Guild Wars, and I'm enjoying it for the nostalgia, if nothing else. I guess it's it's not really nostalgia if it's happening, but I'm enjoying it anyway. I'm enjoying the spirit of the season, if you will. Uh, but I've also been playing with a good friend of mine who hasn't played in a while. She's getting back into the game, and you know this is her first Halloween in Guild Wars, and she is absolutely loving it. Uh, so that, you know, playing with someone who really enjoys it is, is always really refreshing. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting experience to see her getting back into the game because she's just now experiencing a lot of the new player experience stuff. And she was never really a, a dedicated player like, you know, like we are, I guess. Um, so her now interacting with a lot of, of these systems and going, oh, that makes sense, kind of brings a lot of validation, at least to me, um, for some of those changes we've seen in the past. And been like, well, I don't know if I like that. But, you know, actually seeing it have an impact on a player and a positive impact uh, has been really good. That's not about Halloween. No, Things I, I like I'm about no, Halloween. No. We don't have that much to talk about this episode, so it's great to have little tangents <laughs> like that. Yeah, and about that, in my experience, like, I've had a few people, like, of my friends come back, and they haven't played since, like, two months after launch. They got maybe to like level forty or something like that, and they were just like, "Are you still playing Guild Wars?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Really?" And like, "I think I'm gonna play that with you because I've heard you know these things." And this, they come in and like all this stuff that I think is just horrible, they actually like, which kind of threw me off a little bit, considering that they left the game already once. Mm -hmm. But it's it's like 
for them and there's like a good like i want to say five of them and then two more like completely new people and they all like it it just it blew my mind Hmm. well you know it's always you know it's always nice to hear that because as much as we dislike it some you know sometimes things do have to change for for the new lifeblood of the game as it were Mm -hmm. so i'm glad somebody's enjoying it Mm mm-hmm uh but i i've been playing with her a lot uh not only to you know just enjoy her company but because there's new stuff out of the trick-or-treat bags and there's new rewards um including the very first i believe earnable outfit in game that's uh, i believe correct Which is sweet even if i don't personally like yeah it. <laughs> yeah it's a yeah it, the aesthetics are um the source of a bit of controversy, I guess, because it has one of the conical straw hats, uh, which leads to problems. But why does uh, it lead to problems? Because turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it. Like, um, there's controversy over whether it's appropriating Asian culture or not. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, um, from my understanding, and I've I've done a little bit of reading about this, the outfit is supposed to resemble a Chinese vampire. Which is uh, there's excellently written articles. Maybe I'll link one. I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but it it fits very much into a uh, the framework of a like a Chinese horror figure, which makes sense to me given the trend of costumes and you know wanting to include the the Chinese players more. Sure. So yeah, I don't I don't think it was the much the source of much controversy in game. It was more a source of controversy on Tumblr, <laughs> but. Uh, there what has isn't been some... controversy on Tumblr? Just... Exactly. So, so that's out there. There's a couple new minis. There's a mini kitten, uh, which is super adorable. I have not gotten it yet, but I'm about to be dropping some money on it if I don't get enough candy corns by the end of the patch. Uh, there's a mini, a mini ghost puppy that drops from trick or treat bags. I have not heard of a single person getting one. Uh, the the new rewards are good, but there's you know the ever present problem. Of I know RNG. someone that got it. Just so you know, one of my friends that bought the game after the price drop, which is something that we should talk about, by the way, uh-huh. got it before he left the first map. Uh... <sighs> Do you get a precursor too, or like... Yeah, Kate, what's it like when somebody <laughs> seems to get a lot of precursors very quickly? I don't know. Huh? Um, uh, I feel like I'm things... missing something. I had some luck in the Mystic Forge again. Oh. Where some is in massive air quotes. <laughs> there was one more. Oh, there's so there's actually. <laughs> no, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about with the Halloween things. Uh, very rare also from the trick or treat bags, there's jewels. I can't remember what the. Like, they're slotted in jewelry, and I can't remember what the jewelry is called, but the jewels are called Oonst jewels, mm-hmm. which sounds like they're at a dance club, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glad that happened. Uh, there's a green and orange and a black variety, and essentially what it does is it puts like a shader over your character. So you know it's the difference between your ranger ranger being like your normal ranger and then being like the shadow link version of your ranger. Uh, so those are cool, and they they're just jewels that slot into your accessories. They give you a little bit of stats and a neat visual effect, which I think is the first time that's happened as well. Uh, they are super expensive on the trading post. Last I checked, I can't afford one. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you probably could, you know, if you just sold some of those. 
I'm pretty sure someone would trade one of those for a precursor. Just straight up. <laughs> I, I'm sure they would. I haven't actually looked at the price. What is the price like on those? Anybody have a... I'm checking right now. Yeah, I was going to say. The power of the internet allows us to find the answers to these questions very quickly. But, yeah. Um, as a side note, this isn't really related to Halloween, but it's something that's happened since the last episode. Uh, this probably would have should have been obvious, I guess, but wasn't to me. Uh, the World v. World tournament, I did not pick up my rewards from the last week in the week following it, because I sort of just figured that the reason that they had to be picked up within a week was because the next rewards would overwrite it. But no, apparently when it's the last week, you still have to do it within a week because then they go away. So I lost some tickets. Oh. Alas. But whatever. I'm not that salty about it. I don't really... I don't really mind that much, but it was it was sort of a shock to, like, I, again, I mean, it said to pick it up the following week. I it did exactly what it said to do, so it, you know, but <laughs> that's what you get, I guess, for reading between the lines sometimes. Oh, okay, these have changed since I last looked. Uh, the gems themselves are called polyluminescent undulating refractors, and then they come in green, black, and orange varieties. The green is 400, the black is... 780 and the orange is 360. Hmm. Sounds about right. Black being the most expensive. Of course. Always. You know, I actually don't really like how they look. I think it's a really cool idea. I just they are like the black one kind of works for a necromancer because it makes you look like you're always in death shroud sort of but aside from that I, I'm not the hugest fan of it but the, whatever. Yeah. I like the concept but yeah I really like the concept. I'm really glad that they're experimenting with some of these types of things. Um, so, who wants to talk about the new reward structures? Spirit has more experience with it, so to speak, so... In terms of Halloween stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much just farm the heck out of candy corn, assemble candy corn into a thousand, or a thousand candy corn into one candy cob, and then spend it, um... Which is, it feels rewarding, right? Like, farming the labyrinth feels like you're getting a ton of stuff and your inventory will fill super quickly, uh, which is good. It feels like, it it feels rewarding. And it, it is, like, it's not, I, I'm not saying that it's, like, a false sort of rewarding, but it gets cumbersome very quickly because you have to fill four slots to reduce it to one. Yeah. So I think the numbers could be tweaked a little bit or, you know, condensed in some sort of manner because... I've got so much of like you right you're saving so you're saving candy corn you're saving plastic fangs nougat centers and there's one more that's slipping my mind right now oh chattering skull I mean you can just like deposit them at least right so but you can only deposit 250 so if you're saving up to a thousand you at least have like two more slots in your inventory or bank that are full unless you have like in the interim unless you have expansions yeah the expanded (laughs) materials Right, so it it can be kind of cumbersome. It's it's not really an issue though. Like, yeah, it's it's slightly a problem, but it's not something that I'm going to complain about. I really like the new reward system, and there's all kinds of like I said, there's minis you can trade it for. There's an outfit. There's weapons. Oh, I know something that's new that I should talk about. The one of the things you can get from the trick or treat bags is shiny foil wrappers. And Ah, what these are essentially, yeah, they're lottery tickets. So you hand these into a script, and at the end of the two-week period, which is coming up pretty soon, 
It'll be this Tuesday. Um, the script will randomly pick lottery tickets, and they will win the Halloween skins from the first Halloween. So this is your chain sword, your chain greatsword, the gourd rifle, stuff like that. Uh, which has led to controversy, surprisingly, uh, in this game. Uh, because only a handful of players, I think someone did the math on Reddit, and it's going to be like literally the 1% of players. <laughs> well, we'll get these. Right. Because there's a finite amount of them right. that they're choosing to distribute in this in this way. Uh, plus, you can buy entries on the gem store. You can buy the candies. They give you a buff, and then you can turn in the wrappers for entries into this raffle. That's actually kind of the biggest part that I don't like about it, is that yeah. it it's like Black Lion Keys, but way worse in terms of your, like... Well, probably not way worse in terms of your expected returns, because... Well, I don't know. That's it is hard to worse say. in that sense, and I say it's even worse because as more people buy them, the less valuable they become. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Directly. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I'm never a huge fan of gambling with you know gambling in in online games. Um, you know, and it's it's borderline illegal in some countries. So I don't. I'm not crazy about that. I I think it's really interesting the way that they've brought back these first Halloween items because I can I can just imagine the types of discussions that they had beforehand because you know there's there's always going to be this tension between the people that have been there since the beginning like we have and the people that jump in later where the people that came from the beginning often want to feel some sense of um perhaps not prestige special yeah but yeah perhaps not prestige but at the very least something that they only had like that that you had to be there for to get and you know the living story season one sort of was that way in the sense that you know each patch had different things that you could only get from those and for the most part they just went away until they had the you know um the recap festival or whatever but even then uh and so these Halloween items from the first Halloween were expensive and very prestigious because the, there aren't very many of them, and you can't get them, and you can only get them by buying them for a lot of a lot of gold. And so, you know, if you can imagine, if they just put them in a regular loot table again, like a lot of people would be upset. I feel like, or at least a lot of people that are are the hardcore players. Um, but then on the other side, again, you know, you have that the, that other group of people that, you know, are going to be sad that they missed them or that they didn't realize that they were only going to be one time ever or, you know, things like that. And so, you know, I can sort of see how they came to this idea of having having a raffle so that the prices will be driven down, because if you can sell them on the on the trading post, the, the prices will go down from what they are right now, even if not by a ton, because yeah. there will be new stock entering the marketplace and people will be undercutting each other. So there's going to be like, it's not going to be massive, but it's going to be a very substantial drop as soon as that raffle takes place. Right, exactly. And so that at least makes it somewhat more affordable uh, if you really have one that you really, really want. Um, so... You know, that's. I feel like that's a pretty decent compromise in terms of being able to keep people that want them to feel prestigious happy and also make it a slightly more attainable goal if you really have your heart set on it. And the players that don't care, don't care. Like, you know, they, you know. Exactly. There's a lot of people that just are like, yeah, whatever. So, 
Yeah, I th- I think that's interesting. I don't like I said, I don't like the Black Lion uh trading company wrapper system, but you know, at least that's not the only way you can get it. And really it's not even the most efficient way to get it, so I guess it depends on how you define efficiency. I kind of would like to see them maybe with things that not carry so much weight doing this going forward, like just rare not like precursor level rare things but that you could the idea that you can enter and just win something i don't mind i feel like that's kind of how all i mean that's sort of how all loot works in mmos though effectively like by playing you're entering every time you kill a mob right right but it's a visible thing that's true and i i don't know i've kind of had fun going like oh i got three more of these i'm gonna go turn these in maybe i'll win a thing but but at the same time that also gets frustrating if you lose enough times which everybody's going to lose enough times. Right. You know, like, if if they do this type of thing a lot and, say, only a thousand people out of the, you know, hundreds of thousands that are playing win, then, you know, if you if you keep doing these things and everything's a lottery, it's, it's going to be really frustrating because, you know... Uh... Alternatively, they could, like, give out, like, hey, this is a pretty decent thing that you will get if you enter, but... There's more awesome stuff you'll have a chance at. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's interesting. I like that they're playing around with this stuff. I think it's I think that's cool. Granted, mm-hmm. Even that will eventually get frustrating. Case in point, I had multiple stacks of Risen Priests of Balthazar. <laughs> yep. So alright, I think that I think that's pretty much covered Halloween. Uh oh, wait, no, there's okay. one more thing. The Mad King plays Mad King says Pretty much every hour of every day. Which is uh, a departure from how it's usually done. Correct. Didn't it used to be every three hours it, or something? It used to be like... It was every... Yeah, it was like every three hours on, on Halloween specifically. Yeah. Um, when it's, this year it's been throughout the event, which I'm happy for the people who get to do all of their... You know, get to get all the rewards, but I, it made me kind of sad that I wasn't like, oh, I need to log in on Halloween day so I can go make jokes at the Mad King and hear these awful jokes and have commands shouted at me. I don't know why that's so exciting. Like, when you think about it, <laughs> not so great, but every year I'm like, Mad King Thord, he's my favorite! It's because it's he's such a staple. Bringing out the sub yeah, in all of us. His jokes are amazing. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Alright, well, speaking of those who like to enslave people under their iron boot of tyranny, uh, I think it's time to move into Speculator's Corner. And talk about that image that we got teased. I see what you did. I that. know. I was I was I was pretty happy with that. Um so we got this image teaser at the very end of um points of interest, and then it was further teased in the sort of trailer to bring back uh to resume season two. Echoes of the Echoes past. Echoes of the past. Um and I I think it's fair to say it's a statue of either Abaddon or a Marganite. Is that is that a fair? Uh, it's pretty obvious that it's Abaddon, yeah. considering there's a statue already in the game that follows pretty much that. Yeah, role. yeah. So, and it's uh, you know, from what we see, it's he's it's sort of standing in a kind of an interesting looking room that we definitely don't have any uh real clue where that is at this point, which is exciting. This new new land. Well, new room. New room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Getting a little bit ahead of yourself, man. You're not getting into the Norn spirit of exploration with us? What? New land. New land. New land. Look, I have postulated 
I don't know if I'm using it correctly, myself to not be excited for anything until I A, either see it, or two, there is a hot spring teased, because I want a hot spring. I really like I loved everything that sentence about that was sentence. so grammatically incorrect and illogical that it was fabulous. <laughs> I'm on painkillers. That's, that's fine. Um... <laughs> But uh yeah, so I mean in this trailer we see a lot of things. We see some new some new zones, some new planty monsters, uh some airships and some militarized char walking around. Um Uh of note is that the airships and the banners are packed, the char are blood legion, which implies multiple factions working yeah. together. You know, more yeah. than just the pack. Although it is nice to get the pact as well, you know, to get their get their stuff together. Right. Which makes me wonder because there's such um did you do an emphasis on Blood Legion char if the other legions aren't as involved. Yeah, yeah. Well and then I guess and what's, going on what's potentially really exciting, depending on what it turns out, um, we have that shot of Marjorie and Casimir in that super cool crystally looking place. Which is totally Glint's lair, hidden in an hour. We can only hope. That is just, oh my god, yes. Oh, I didn't even make that connection until just now. They sent out a bunch of, ArenaNet sent out, um, similar to the the watches during one of the clockwork things, they sent out a bunch of hourglass to, hourglasses to Oh, I to missed that. I, I saw that uh, Neo from Guild Wars 2 Guru said that he was supposed to get one, but that it got lost in the mail, and that he was going to get it too late to, like, show pictures of it irrelevantly. Oh, someone... Uh, I think Richard, Richard Procopio got one. That was the one I saw. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I think... I think it's fair to say it's probably Glint Slayer, which is really exciting for Guild Wars 1 players. And if you're not a Guild Wars 1 player, hopefully mm-hmm. you're in for a treat, because it's really pretty and cool. Though, like, I wonder if, like, how the mechanics from Glint Slayer, if they are, are going to carry over. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're, you know, um, it. I mean, it kind of looks like it's probably going to be a living story thing instead of, like, a full-on dungeon or whatever, which is... But but even mm. so, you know, um that's really exciting. Yeah. I'm I'm actually this is really I'm really interested in this patch. I think it's got a lot of really cool uh There's a lot of potential for it to be very, very mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean I I'm excited. You know, I mean again, it's it's been on a break for a while and you know, I think a lot of people are sort of taking a break. Um but uh, yeah, I it's again, as a Guild Wars one player, and I mean there was a Ogden was in the trailer too, um, which I mean, obviously he's mm-hmm. in the game already, but uh... he hasn't really played a big role so far. So it's nice to see that he's sort of being put in the spotlight. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of hoping they'll pick up on like this will be a continuation of Iraq Explorable, where they take the information that they learned in the four paths in Iraq Explorable and start applying it too. Because uh, if you at least path three of Iraq Explorable is about the Forgotten and how Glint was freed, and so that's a very apt storyline to start tying in here. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious how they're going to handle, this is a spoiler by the way, Glint being dead and how Destiny's Edge might play into this. As we know, one of the reasons the Biconics are such prominent characters right now is because it's really hard to get the, the voice actors back who play Destiny's Edge. Um, but if we're going into Glint's lair we need to start talking about what happened with Krokotoric and Glint, and Destiny's Edge is at the heart of those events. So I'm 
very curious to see how how they'll their stories will be tied but it seems like this this patch is going to bring a lot of story threads and just kind of pull yeah. them all yeah. together. And, and story threads that have been around for a really long time. Yeah, and that's yes. one of those things that ArenaNet's always been pretty good about is that they, you know, whether or not they know exactly where they're going when they lay the threads, when they get there, they pull from the threads of things that have been in the past. Um, and and they do a pretty mm-hmm. good job mm-hmm. about that if you're if you pay attention. I mean, case in point, the like alchemy circle that's on the roof in right. the picture is on the cover art for Guild Wars 1. Are you serious? What? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I know because I mean that's the thing. I know that they have you know full time staff that their job is basically to create the universe and the lore of the Guild Wars universe, and they have their big binders of you know all the things. And so I mean, yeah, that's an entire internal wiki. Yeah, (laughs) I mean it's it's uh. It's really cool. I mean, it's really cool. It's very rare to find companies, I feel like, that put that much emphasis on consistency, internal consistency of their world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I did not hear. I did not hear or see anything about that. That's a great, great thing. Yeah, and the only reason I know that is because my box is sitting like to the right of my desk, and I was like looking at the video, and then I like looked over, and I was like, wait a minute. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Also, speaking of the original Guild Wars 1 box, and I know that this is counter to what, you know, Pig wants you to believe with their propaganda, but uh, it had the original Hamstorm, <laughs> Hamstorm build. <laughs> I always liked, like, once I got to a point where I could appreciate just how horrible that build is, I always thought yeah. it was funny. We actually, yeah. um, as a joke, went into alliance battles with pre-made full teams of, of the box build of Hamstorm. <laughs> that's beautiful i miss alliance battles so much for both yeah. ham then we had to upgrade it to ham shower where, where you use yeah exactly <laughs> right the name is just delightful uh where you use meteor shower because then you can actually capture points and it's hilarious um wait hold on how does a warrior even cast meteor i think you shower? could cast it exactly once <laughs> <laughs> but if you had four of them yeah. and you landed them before they moved it out of down. them yeah. Ah, that's even better. Anyway, but that's enough talking about crappy Guild Wars 1. I had a thing about the... Oh, the symbol. I don't. I haven't actually seen it, so I can't describe it, but I've, I've heard about it. Uh, the symbol on in the room with Abaddon... The one on the roof, or on the ceiling or whatever? letters. Yeah, yeah. It has letters that correspond um, to the vision in entanglement with the mm-hmm. different colored and the, orbs. And the letter, mm-hmm. the translated letters, because they're in what, New Crichton or whatever? Um, the translated letters yeah. match up to the first letter of the name of each dragon corresponding to the color in that vision, if that makes sense. W- wait, hold on, they're in New Crichton? Think... They're in, someone said New Tyrion, but I just assume they miswrote New Crichton. Is Nutirian a thing? No. That... Okay. That's interesting, because that means that that... Well, assuming that it's, like, all set up correctly, that would mean that that particular bit of art or whatever, or structure, is fairly recent, because New Crichton is a Guild Wars 2 thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it has something to do with, uh... I don't know. It was, wasn't it shown right around the time where we saw Ogden? In the trailer? Uh, I... 
don't yeah i don't remember the yeah order of anyway events the it's, it's an interesting thing that we'll surely find the answer out to in what a week it's like two days yeah so yeah um um of of note in that though is that the water dragon does not start with b and as a result his name is probably not bubbles it does start with s so we're assuming his name is steve from now on the deep so steve dragon uh, yes. Yeah, that was a that was a little Reddit uh, thread of coming up with S names, and I think I think Steve was the clear winner. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting. Again, I mean, this is just linking back into the the things that have been clearly planned out in advance, you know. And things, you know, that brings me back to the Crucible of Eternity uh, with the um, the skill names that you could find out if you turned on the combat facts and it had, you know, Fang of Mordremoth or whatever it was way before we even knew mm-hmm. the name of Mordremoth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love I love when they bring those details together and, what, you know, how, how clearly it shows that they have a vision and have a plan, even if sometimes it's hard for us to see it because of, you know, how they release things, but... Exactly. I right. just I'm holding out my hope that the name of the water dragon is some kind of derivative or actually Sobek because that would just be amazing. Where does that come from briefly? Egyptian mythology. Ah, uh, okay. Because they kind of with each dragon they've kind of pulled from a different mythos with each one. Why don't you talk about I that? That's fascinating. That. <laughs> that was the most deadpan way of saying that's fascinating. But I agree, it is. It- as far as, say, Roman Primordis, the Titans and all that whatnot, the Titans, mm-hmm. well-known for, like, excuse me, one of the most well-known Titans was this, like, being of lava. And then they were enslaved, or not enslaved, they were imprisoned by the Olympian gods that most people eventually learn about or know about nowadays, because Roman things. Sure. And really the only one like mythos that they have not pulled from at least steadily is Egyptian mythos. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. That's I hadn't really given it that much thought. I I always like those types of things though, because it's very obvious that the Guild Wars universe pulls from various cultures. You know, especially in Guild Wars One. You know, the mm-hmm. sort of Eurocentric mm-hmm. uh, Tyria and you know the sort of Asian, vaguely Asian theme. Well, not vaguely, but sort of a amalgamation of Asian themes and, and uh you know Encantha and then the sort of african you know african influence of uh of alona so it, you know again that, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a similarly planned tie-in i guess so that's cool and with that tie-in um it could be a way of them to like sort of go into introducing um the Mersat. <laughs> as much as i hate mentioning it cuz when you look at like just the eye of Janthier, the biggest thing with Mursat, it is basically a pyramid. Yeah, got that. Uh, uh, God, Illuminati, that Illuminati uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, uh, I can't even remember what it is, but there are, there is actually like a strong thread of evidence kind of pointing pointing towards the Mursat um, in the breakdown for the the last trailer. The one at the very end of Dragon's Reach Part 2, uh, if you watch Wooden Potato's video, he talks about how the Mursat have a, 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 like a city in the mist, and how 
um, in the background of the trailer with the the dragon and the golden light, there's a big city, um, which I I didn't pick up on. Which is and... materializing, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting sort of thread. And then again, with Ogden coming back and, you know, Ara also encompasses the story of the Mursat and what happened to them. So there are threads pointing at it. Mm-hmm. I would say that, I don't, I don't know. It's not like very clear evidence. It's not like we got this, the photo of a back of a statue of mm-hmm. Mursat and we're like, that's well, it. But I mean, there's evidence there that, that storylines are going to continue in this way. Well, going sort of along that line of thought of how that can be tied into what we are speculating we're going to do with Glint. Glint was heavily tied into that Mersat storyline and the whole thing with true sight and being able to see beings that are hiding in the mist in this realm. So that might be sort of the direction that they said to go in for mm-hmm. just the way everything's going to play out. We have to obtain this sight yet again as players anyways. Right. I had actually completely forgotten about that. I should play Guild Wars <laughs> right. 1 again. It's been too long. But then we'll get in, we'll try and dodge, we'll try yeah. and move while using spells, we'll try to jump, and it's just, it's, it'll be bad. Every time I log in... I'll hit spacebar and run yeah. into the nearest fence a hundred times. Every single time I get on Guild Wars 1 for, like, to see what my birthday present was or something like that, I'll try to jump, and I just, I die a little bit on the inside. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of, uh, actually, no, no, speaking of, I have no, I have no good segue for this, but, uh, the Guild CDI wrapped up. <laughs> anybody, uh, anybody keep up on that super, super overmuch? I, ch- I tried, I failed, um, but I do have a handy dandy wrap up thread, which I can draw from. In general, it's really hard to keep up with any CDI that's even relatively popular because it just moves so yeah, quickly. Yeah, it's true. And there's like so much. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, for the rating CDI that just came out, sorry, I go off topic a little bit, I was determined to be on like the first two pages. And I was going to say my bit and then just leave. Yeah, it's very difficult. I pretty much have given up actually following the CDI as I try and just catch the summaries and stuff because, like you said, there's just so much mm-hmm. uh but okay so this is chris, chris side chris side yes chris, uh... chris whiteside's uh roundup of the most important points for guild hall uh the first is customization and identity identity uh, maybe i shouldn't read does somebody else want to read this all right the first point is customization and identity and really i'm the one that's reading with the whatever The ability to customize your guild hall in a manner that provides your guild with its own identity, as well as a wide variety of guild hall customization progressions. Then the second one is small guilds. The ability for small guilds and large guilds to enjoy the progression and benefits of guild halls without either making progression too easy or too hard, potentially through scaling. Then guild activities. The ability to progress guild halls by taking on activities of varying types with your guild, followed by GVG access and functionality which they are discussing after raids, and then town convenience, the ability to have town services in the guild hall. And he wanted to point out that he is not a fan of this due to the impact it could have on our current cities. Um, with that said, though, considering, like on that point in particular, considering the like mega server and how they function, I really don't think it would be all that detrimental on cities. If anything, it would kind of... I mean, it's obviously going to spread out the population a bit if you do that, but mm-hmm. it's not going to depopulate the city. Yeah, especially if, you know, honestly, I would be happy with just something as stupid as a bank 
and an NPC I can sell garbage to. Like, that is it. I would, and, like, you can leave crafting to the cities, you can leave the auction house to the cities. Like, I just want a little bit. I just want a little bit so I don't have to friggin' run and merch crap. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's, it's definitely something to consider, though. Like, I think, I don't know, it's, it's difficult, because I'm thinking back to Guild Wars 1, and the cities were not empty, despite the fact that you could do everything in your guild hall, like pretty much everything Mm -hmm. uh but then again Mm -hmm. i sort of go back on that and i think well the reason that is is because there was no trading post and it was all done in spamadan um you know ever or or whatever uh where you had to go to a city and you actually had to put it in the chat channel and so that alone sort of brought Mm -hmm. people back because they had to be in cities so i don't know it's it's always that's definitely something that's really important because I don't think that you want to make all the cities ghost towns because it's not very fun to go to the cities that don't have anybody there and it's already sort of like that. I.e. Hendro Dunraveen. Yeah. <laughs> it was my favorite city in the game, but no one was ever there. Holbrack. Oh, uh, Holbrack. Um, Holbrack is... I, I don't get it. The, first of all, there's few Norn compared to the other races. And then, like, Holbrack as a city itself is just so huge that it's well that's why people don't go there it's it's pretty but it's inconvenient which right. i mean henge was pretty inconvenient too if i recall correctly comparatively anyway so yeah um i definitely i definitely would agree that those are the the highlights that are important with guilds um i i i really really hope that they keep the first two in mind particularly the customization and identity so that you know you you can have something that obviously won't be completely unique, but, you know, can be unique enough that your guild feels like it's personalized. And also mm-hmm. trying to find some way to strike that balance between large and small guilds. Instead of every mm-hmm. single GVG guild having the exact yeah. same map, because it's yeah. the best one for GVG. Yeah, well, and, you know, I mean, they could do everything. You know, I mean, there's so many ways to try and accommodate the small versus large guilds issue um i mean they could have everything from if guild hall like guild halls could you just have to purchase various sizes of guild halls like if you wanted a big cool guild hall you know then you have to buy a bigger one that's harder to upgrade but if you're a small guild you can get a homey little like tavern in divinity's reach or whatever and you know things would be a lot cheaper to get there so um yeah i i think that's a really solid list that pretty much distills down what everybody wants so Hopefully we see movement on that. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, like we said, they started the CDI for raids right after that. And four days after it started, it is 21 pages already. Um, we have a link here about Chris Whiteside's definition of raids, but I couldn't actually find it in the link. So did somebody know that offhand other than the sentence? Oh, uh, I, I don't. I meant to put in the link to his post. <laughs> Uh, but I quoted the important part, which was good because I apparently did not link the correct one. Um, we talked a lot about on our special episode and both before when we were speculating about raids, um, what ArenaNet will actually define as a raid. And when asked, Chris Whiteside said, uh, it's instance cooperative group-based, quote-unquote, challenging content. So we can kind of throw out the idea that we're working with mega bosses. Uh, or, like, the world bosses. I'm not going to say that the bosses in, in the raids aren't going to be huge, because we have no idea. Um, 
so yeah, the the type of world bosses that we're familiar with now uh, do not constitute raids, at least in the framework of this discussion. So that's something we have a little bit of clarification probably on. Probably the biggest thing to take from this, because before he said this, there was a lot of like debate going on of what a raid even was. And as right. soon as he said instanced, like that debate yeah. just died. And he also made no mention of guild-based. It's just cooperative group-based, which at least mm-hmm. gives some... Uh, some further direction to the discussion, which I think is good. I don't, I don't want raids to be guild based. I think that that's just mm-hmm. not very guild warsy. Um, I think, but but again, they're they're putting raids within the how five part CDI of guild discussion. So I think they're not trying to get at guild or like raids being developed by guilds, but that they want to build raids so that your guild community is the the raiding party. What you want to draw from yeah, I mean, for raids. Right, yeah. Which is a traditional it, thing. Yeah. They want that really. to be... But, I mean, that's going to happen whether or yeah. not you force anything in a raid, you know? So... There's no reason, really, to build for it because people that play together are usually going to end up being in a guild and people that play together are also probably going to end up doing content together. In this right. case, exactly. Raids. It's the only thing that it does, mm-hmm. I feel like, is hurt people that... um you know, either can't be in all the guilds with all their different groups of people that they know or just want to be in a small guild with their friends or things like that if you forced things to be started by guilds or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's definitely... Raiding Mm -hmm. is definitely something that will um, make guilds more or less appealing if you are a raid-type player. Like, if this is a raiding guild, that's going to be a huge draw. But I feel like you don't need any actual mechanic to make that happen. I think that simply by being challenging and cooperative based the logistics of it is exactly it by yeah. itself um which i think is great uh did you have anything you wanted to sort of talk about with regard to our last uh full episode kate about raids since you missed it oh geez i had some i listened to the show and i went actually it was really nice to not listen to the to like to not be on the show for once because i got to listen to it i was like gosh i know some really swell people we have great discussions it's wonderful and i felt really <laughs> happy in my heart place um, you could say that she was there in spirit. I was there in spirit. Uh, I, let me see. I did jot something down, but I have to pull it up. You know, it's amazing for episodes where I say that we have nothing to talk about, how we're almost an hour in and still have things to talk about. <laughs> That's just how we roll. You I mean, I do that know that. Now. I just I feel like it's worth pointing out sometimes. Um. Yeah, I think everything I wanted to say I either no longer makes sense to me. Or uh, I kind of got at in the special episode we did. Uh, like, Evie talked about attunements and how you have to go through a huge process to get into the, the raids, which I kind of said maybe it's not an awful thing because of the the Guilders 2 achievement system. So if, you, if you're teaching a new mechanic and you want to put up sort of like a small barrier to entry, you can say, okay, you have to go and experience this event. Uh, to learn this mechanic, and once you've done that, okay, you can go into the raid at any time now. It it wouldn't be like a like a regularly occurring thing, like you would have to reattune every time you go into the raid, but just like a one-time, we're going to teach you this, you can't get in there and say you don't know it, because we taught you that, you had to do it to get in there. That kind of thing. Uh, and I don't have a problem with like, like a small barrier to entry like a that. A small barrier to entry like that is a really good thing for um, the pug community, because people, like you said, can't make the excuse, oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have something you were going to say? Uh, there was another... Oh, uh, in terms of lockouts and rewards, 
I wanted to talk about Domain of Anguish because I think that's a great system for, um, I guess, yeah, a, a raid where you have the have the ability to stop, right? Um, it was a series of quests. It was like four quests and then a, like a final boss fight, which was a, a separate. And you could do all four in a row and the rewards would compound, right? There were gems you would get at the end and you would get, you know, three gems for the first one. If you did a second one in a row, you would get a few more gems from that one. A third one, you would get a few more gems and a few more gems. Whereas if you did them on separate days, you would say get only three gems from each chest. Uh, so I really like that idea of rewarding um, on efficiency, not um, how like you know just completion, and also the ability to have this epic dungeon that takes a long time. When Domain of Anguish came out, it would take four or five hours to complete. It can be done now in about an hour and a half, I think. But there's been severe power creep. But that's beside the point. Um, I think it has more to do with power creep, at least in that case, than actual like people knowing what to do. Because even at the end yeah. of Nightfall. When people like really knew what they were doing, it still took like two yeah. and a half hours. Yeah, which I, which I'm I'm fine with. I think as long as you have the option to checkpoint, I'm I'm totally cool yeah. with that. And and I I really hope they they kind of pursue that. You know, both both rewarding on efficiency is a big thing for me. Uh, so that I I you know maybe I feel the the urge to kill trash or um you know do the bonus events. Uh, instead of just focusing, you know, like in Dungeons Now, skip trash, skip everything you can to get to the end because that is the fastest yeah. way to get the reward, the best reward. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the most contentious point, perhaps, that's been brought up with raiding, um, or at least contentious amongst the people that generally we all agree on things, is whether it should be balanced around exotic or ascended gear. Because, I don't know, it's... It sort of goes back to my initial frustration with the idea of even introducing Ascended Gear, <laughs> um, and, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not that would sort of become a gear treadmill, which, to their credit, they have not released a higher tier yet, and so that's... I actually had expected one anyway, despite the fact that they said they weren't going to. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I mean, was too. again, the, the whole, I just did not buy their ascended is something that we always had planned and just didn't get done in time i just did that just sounded like bs to me um but that's that's neither here nor there but the point is that personally i feel that the i feel that rating should be either balanced against exotics or be i i don't necessarily dislike the idea that perhaps the first raid would be balanced around exotics and then have a fairly high return rate on getting um ascended items from it ascended. but the that that sort of brings up its own problems potentially of screwing up the sort of economics of getting ascended items in other ways and you know it's it's always a fine balancing act because i in my ideal world like the game would have many avenues that are roughly of fair equivalence in order to get the same tier of gear and the crafting expense of of full ascended is so high that if you had it drop like frequently from a dungeon that would make crafting completely useless um which is the way it should be I, I feel know, like crafting should be me. a viable alternative <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't have to craft but I also feel like crafting shouldn't be something that you should literally never do because it's so stupid for your money like that's 
I mean, that's sort of the whole point. Like, <laughs> when, when it was back when the exotics, like, you could craft them, you could save up karma, you could do dungeons, like, you could do all of these things, and sure, one of them was probably somewhat more efficient than the others, but they were at least within an arm's reach of each other in terms of, like, what was efficient and whether what are, what you found fun or not, and Ascended Gear has not... Mm-hmm kept that up and so that is my biggest concern with regard to raids being balanced around ascended gear is that i don't have like i don't have ascended gear on most of my alts and i am good at playing all of my classes and getting full ascended armor on all of my classes is awful and i feel like if you want raids to encourage high level content then i think you also need to like understand the fact that people will want to be able to play on multiple characters for to fill in holes in the team mm-hmm. well the thing is i think a lot of people I, i'm okay i'll just say this up front i'm kind of a proponent of it being balanced around ascended gear um because i think people think it's prohibitive if you have let me rephrase i think it should be possible with exotic gear but harder and if you are good at playing a lot of characters, then it shouldn't matter so much whether you have Ascended Gear or not. Um, it doesn't have to be like Fractals, where you have to have an infusion. There's like Fractals has very much like a barrier, right? You have to have infusions, otherwise you will not be able to progress. It's just a, you know, a few more stat points. And you can mitigate the difference between Ascended Gear and Exotics with consumables. So I don't I don't see such a problem, especially if it's going to be dropping ascended gear, and then you can you can reach that yeah. you know sort of optimal tier. From, Maybe it's because I'm inexperienced, but that's how I see it anyway. Me, it it really boils down to just the same thing as say attunement. It's all a matter of accessibility. If it's if they introduce raids tomorrow, and they were tuned for ascended gear, I think that they're making a, a mistake. And I mean However, that, again. The the real question if, is how how do you define being uh being balanced around a an X tier of gear? You know what I mean? Like that's because I think in our mind, like our meaning mine and Evie's minds, like balanced around ascended means that it should be hard, not impossible to do, like or or not impossible to do with exotics, but it should be hard to do with ascended. Is what theoretically the balance point means to me, see, which which I don't think we want. In, t- in that, like, I don't know. Go ahead. Just because of the way it is, if it's difficult in Ascended Gear, it essentially makes it where Ascended Gear will become a requirement because everyone is going to want to have players that have that, quote, right. requirement. Unless you're going in there specifically with people that don't mind it. But the reality of that situation is that most people aren't going to have all the friends or acquaintances or whatever that are going to think that way. Well, and the thing is that I think that raids should be very challenging, but I think they should be challenging largely despite your gear rarity rather than because of. Like, I would rather have challenging because of challenging mechanics rather than challenging because challenging numbers. And you know what I mean? I mean, I get what you're saying, but a large part of that is just intertwined in a way that Sure. Gonna have oh to yeah, absolutely. With. I mean, there's numbers are a part of mechanics, and as far as just the way I think they should go about doing the whole raid gear thing, it should be tuned for raid. For the raids should be tuned for ascended, but 
Ascended gear needs to be a lot more available in multiple ways. And it should be the baseline of reward from the raid. Yeah, it's... I mean, that's... And again, yeah, this is like a really complicated topic, I feel like, because... I, I mean, there's there's so many angles on it, you know, of like what you want to do. Because you don't want people mm-hmm. to just be able to steamroll it because they do have Ascended gear. And at the same point, you don't want people that feel obligated to get ascending gear when it's something that they honest and goodness don't want to do because they don't like the system as it is in place right now and when it comes to raid content like this at least for this generation you have to encourage as many people as possible to go into that content yeah well arena net definitely does on the if not you're gonna end well, up but, yeah with i was gonna Star. say arena net definitely does because they don't have a subscriber base they have uh they have a player base right but if all the content they come out with is stuff that not very many people do then people start burning out and stop playing like that's guild wars 2 has always sort of been billed as the casual mmo and there's that that is part of the reason for it like yeah it's i don't know it's it's complicated i say that a lot in regards to this topic but well it is I mean, I know a lot of people, and at some point in time in my life, I was among them. They're like, rating is hardcore content, and that's, you know, what it should be. And I can see that viewpoint, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that rating can't be designed for a much lower entry level while still catering to that much higher hardcore, quote, level in some other Well, and the other, you know, the other thing is sort of a philosophical point of, well, maybe not philosophical, but, um... You know, they they want Ascended Gear to be the gear that takes a long time to get, and if they just made it so that it was easier to, like, if they balanced the raid around needing Ascended Gear, and then everybody was like, well, crap, I don't have full Ascended Gear because it costs me hundreds and hundreds of gold to get Ascended Armor and crap, uh, and weapons, and so I don't have it, then if they just made it easier to get Ascended Gear, that effectively means that there's no point to Ascended Gear. So, like, you see what I mean? Like, if, if they just start, the only, unless yeah, they want to exactly introduce a new tier of gear, which they would, I mean, people would throw their own. Exactly. Like, that's, and that's what I was, that was sort of my original argument with, like, why I felt like they probably were going to come out with another tier of gear or why Ascended Gear in general was pointless was that when they came out with it, you know, they said, this should take a really long time to get. And I was like, yeah, and then what happens when people get that and then they have the same problem that you're saying they have now, which is that they have the best tier of gear. Uh, you know, either they never get it again or you add a new tier of gear. But, like, as soon as people get all Ascended gear, you're back in the exact same square that you started in. So what are you going to do about it? And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, the answer has always been don't make it about don't make it about feeling like your stats are going up because you'll never be able to like win that win that battle. Like you'll get it and then you either need to keep going or else you don't and when you stop that's exactly where you would have been if that didn't exist in the first place. So I feel like Anet should if they haven't already learned from their mistakes as far as we want a long-term goal for players in yeah. this kind of vein. And they need to bite the bullet and make Ascended Gear much more available if they are going to introduce raids. Because the other alternative is tuning raids for exotic gear, and then the people that do have Ascended Gear are going to completely steamroll that content. And then they're just going to have this huge issue 
where they're releasing this content and people are just absolutely destroying it very quickly and they're not going to be satisfied with so it. You, I'm curious, as someone who doesn't know the difference, what between you know full exotics, so you know your full armor set, your jewels and exotics slotted with runes, you know you got the right jewels in your in your jewelry and consumables. What's the difference between, between that exotic and, and ascended gear? Like, is it is is it as significant? Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, is it a significant enough difference to make that an issue? Because I don't know. I look at my when I ever get a piece of ascended gear, I look at the difference and I go, why would I ever craft this? It's like three more stat points than my exotic. I I know for sure the shoulder pieces are each um, kind of stats. So like power precision. Vital. What is even Berserker gear? Power Precision Ferocity. Sorry, I forgot what that on was called. On a per piece basis. Uh, it's one more per each stat for the shoulder yeah, pieces. On a per piece basis, it's incredibly small. But whenever you have all of the pieces, and most notably the weapons, because DPS is king mm -hmm. in this game right now, it makes a substantial, I think the exact number is somewhere around like 6 or 7%, which doesn't sound like much, but 6 or 7% is like the margin of error of balancing a class for rate content in WoW. If there is a class that is underperforming by 7%, it's going to get buffed in a hotfix, not even a patch. Okay, that's interesting because I don't know about that. And something rating, because, well, and huge. the thing is that it's sort of it's okay. sort of a compounding issue because since we're talking about DPS purely, um, you know, again, it, it goes back to that dead is always the best status condition. So if you can inflict dead faster, like mm -hmm. it doesn't, it you don't always have to design your game in such a way that DPS is always the only viable option. But in this game, that is effectively the case because the differential between full DPS and not full DPS builds is so high that when you add that 7% difference per player, you know, they they just chunk through these these boss fights so quickly that like entire mechanics can effectively get missed or only you only have to do it once, you know? So if you have this really hard part of a boss fight, but you only have to do it once because you have such high DPS, like and you compare that to somebody who's non-optimal or like non-optimal gear or is playing a, a a class that can't really do full zerker or whatever um and then they have to do this part that's really really hard two or three times because of how the like bracketing works then uh, like it comp it compounds the advantage or disadvantage i guess mm -hmm. i mean to put it simply i can't remember who it was that did it there was a group that they did a raw i think it was Path four, I can't remember exactly one of them, and they did one run in full exotics, completely zuckered out with the right rooms for their build and everything, and it took them forty five minutes. Then they did the exact same run in full ascended gear, and it took them twenty eight minutes. Well, that works for me. Uh, something I wanted to mention because I always forget about this is there's uh infusion slots in ascended gear and i always forget about this because i always put yeah you always put agony fractal infusions in them but they actually have yeah but they actually have plus four stat point ones and that you can put five. in which no. are are they plus five the plus four ones are the ones from uh laurel slash world v world things no right okay because yeah there's world v world ones that add stat points and then like one percent damage from two guards or mitigation from guards there's different like world v world specific and then ones there's the and there's straight up stat points five. yeah okay like i always forget about those one. 
yeah, they're hella expensive. I am never going to make one of those. Because they're, again, with they're agony. usually exclusive yeah. with the fractal ones. And as long as I want to, yeah, as long as I want to run fractals, then I'm not going to have that extra stats in my gear. I don't like Ascended gear anymore. Well, Can and we that's, not I mean, but this? again, this is why, this is, as soon as they introduced Ascended gear in the game with the explicit goal that it was supposed to be a long-term goal that was very difficult to get, they instantly, they, they well, maybe to not fail. doomed to fail, but they, they instantly started asking these questions and many people are like posing these questions that they don't have an answer to and i think a lot of people maybe don't look that far ahead and so they didn't really care about them but that was again that was why i reacted so violently negatively to it is because you know the instant that you tell me that that's what you want to do my you know my brain works and is like all right so what's the end game of this like where's that where's that going to lead us and you sort of end up in this situation where you know you say well I've got it, so what now? And then it makes me just say, well, then why is that different than what we had before, except you just made it take way more obnoxiously longer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a real problem, and they can't undo it. They, you know, they can't, unma- they can't un-add Ascended Gear yeah. to the game. So when you talk about adding extremely difficult content, for... they're going to have to come up with answers for these questions. For when it came out, I would almost argue that Ascending Gear wasn't necessarily all that bad, because it gave people sort of something to do, quote-unquote. However, with how they've moved forward with the living story and the way they release content now, I really think that Ascending Gear fills a void that doesn't exist anymore. Or at the very least is very well filled by legendaries. Because... I mean, they say that Ascended Gear is like, oh, you get Ascended Gear so that you have something to do before you, while you're like building up for Legendary. That's not how it works at all. For most people, it's either get Ascended yeah, Gear exactly. or get Exactly. It's not a stepping stone. It's a fork in the road. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't really mean to turn this into a harp on Ascended Gear, but it's going to be inextricably tied to any discussion that we have on balancing of rating. Oh, yeah. Right. Anyway, we've talked about that enough, I guess. <laughs> Uh, looking back at the notes, uh, or you know they could just yeah, do just get rid of leveling here, too, but... like just completely horizontal this mofo. Just make it where traits you have to go out and get them, and when you get them, you get them. That's yep. it. Um. Anyway, so I feel like it uh, behooves us to mention this, even though we don't really want to talk about it too much. There was the whole uh gem fiasco that happened in between episodes. Um. And the fact that it happened in between episodes just points out how, like, completely... Insignificant? Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, again, um, in case anybody wasn't paying attention, which I doubt if you're listening to the show you weren't paying attention, but uh, they changed the way that you buy uh, gems with gold so that you could only buy in increments of 400, and that made a lot of people really angry because, A, it's kind of... It's just generally frustrating. Like, what if you only want 100, you know? Um, And it makes it very costly to buy gems at all with gold Mm -hmm. because you have to buy it in large, discrete chunks. But also, it sort of picks at that that hanging thread that has always sort of been there about um, gem gem store-type microtransaction systems wherein you can only buy in set increments and the a lot of the purchases are not in those increments so ten dollars equals 800 gems or 800 microsoft points or whatever and things cost they well, did eventually microsoft yeah. move away from um that? 
and you know that that things come out in uneven amounts so you end up with extra left over or you have to buy two increments in order to buy something and it's sort of a way to like a lot of people look at it as a very predatory, predatory or at, at least at the very least it's just irritating like you you know exactly why it's been done it's to get you to spend more money and like because you have to because you can't buy it in discrete chunks or small smaller chunks rather um and so people felt very much like this was along that same vein of like well if it costs 900 gems you could have bought 800 gems and then with money and then 100 gems with gold whereas now it's like well no you you can only buy it in 400s um arena net claimed that it was purely for the new players once again which is the worst excuse they could make yeah. at this point because people are so tired well and not only are that. they tired of hearing it but it's kind of ridiculous when you think about how much it, how much gold it costs to buy gems especially when you make it in 400 gem increments um exactly. i you know if they had make their baseline mm-hmm. if they'd made their baseline 100 gems I think there would have been less of an outcry about it because even though that still has odd numbered gems for things like black lion keys that are what 125 uh it's less it's less of an issue than 400 gems and if they really wanted to make mm-hmm. it logical I feel like all they had to do was say tell me how many I did always think it was weird where it was tell me how much gold you want to spend and we will tell you how many gems that is like it would have made way more sense to say how many gems do you want to buy this is how much gold it costs um, Which is how it works now, mm-hmm. right? I actually haven't checked how they fixed it. But the point is, they fixed it like Im- almost immediately. They had a really fast turnaround and said, you know, all right, fine, we'll put in a way to do customized numbers also. So And they kept the new UI for it, which is actually better, right. I'm not going to lie. They just added custom to it. So ultimately, it's a much better system right, than it was exactly. before. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. I can type in how much gold I want, and it tells me how many gems it gets me, or how many gems I want, and it tells but, me how much. But gold you can't it type gets in how many gems you want to buy so. with gold, right? And then it tells you how much gold it costs. Oh, you can. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. No, so that's can. great, and it just sort of comes back to this sentiment that we've had, you know, several times on the show, which is that on the on the plus side, it's fantastic that they listen to our feedback and respond very quickly on things that we consider to be extremely large issues at least for issues that are actually resolvable. You know, like, obviously they can't just undo Ascended, even though there's a huge outcry. But something like this that they can fix relatively quickly mm-hmm. and there is serious concern about, they actually listen. On the on the negative side, it is frustrating that that's even, a, like, that it even came up. Like, that they had to make that kind of a reversal. Because there there have been quite a few issues now where it, like, it just comes out and everybody goes, why did you think that was right or fair or smart or good it's 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 mm-hmm. like a more broad thing of like flame kissed armor yeah exactly again. it's uh yeah it's sort of it sort of calls into question their judgment but also reinforces their openness to change i guess so you know whatever i feel like that's yes. all we're gonna say about it though it really it's over it's past they listened to us we're disappointed that it happened but we're happy that they changed it and made it better so Good job. At least Anet isn't uh, Electronic Arts. <laughs> That's that, absolutely. Or or the new isn't the new one Bioware now? Or no, wait, Ubisoft. <laughs> excuse me. What in uh, in which way? Everybody, everybody complains about all those companies. Exactly. That was that all was right. Fair enough. <sighs> all right. Well, that's a big yawn. I feel like it's uh, about time to move into our final segment. How about you guys? All right, well, Kate, since you're on the show, you get to do the honors. 
Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and the style of cast of other podcasts. This week on CastCast, um, podcasts, or the lack thereof, Chronicles of Tyria, in between our last two podcasts, uh, decided to put out their final episode. To clarify, this is their mm. final episode of the core Chronicles yeah. of Tyria podcast. They are still doing their um, like Let's Lore and their Let's Plays of Guild Wars 1 and their um, fanfic writing stuff that they sort of were founded upon and all that stuff. Their site is staying up, their guild is not disbanding, mm-hmm. um, but they are calling it quits supposedly permanently for doing a relics of or style podcast as it were um so how, how many does that leave less like the uh left? not many like... <laughs> there's us there's um guild wars reporter for itunes shows that i know of i don't know of any other pure audio shows visual wood has come back oh actually um Game Breaker is bringing back a Guild Wars 2 show, which is kind of interesting. It's really? called Tinfoil and Table Flips, I think. What? Which is, sounds like they've been listening to us. <laughs> I was like, um, wait, so... Huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that happened. I think they just put out their first episode within this week. Other than that... Oh, Guild Gab is still going. That's Aurora Peachy's YouTube um, podcasty deal. Didn't Guild Mike sort of start up doing blinking. Infrequently again? someone else... And I've forgotten you. Or are they know. weekly? Oh yeah, Guildmeg Guildmeg has started again too. They're at a Euro they, friendly. I want to say they're weekly, but they're at a they're in a European time yeah. zone, so yeah, yeah. I always forget because it's in the middle of the night and for me. Sitting on a couch. That's the only one I can think of. So more than it seems like. <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, I think yeah. part of that is because a lot of those have sort of waxed and waned, you know, as time is, you know, it's and they're kind of specialized yeah, as well for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a. Uh, Misspedia? I should check a source on this, but I'll get you one. Uh, there's a PvP podcast that just started up, and I am totally blanking on what it's called or where it's from. Yeah, but I and if anybody's listening to us from listen one of those it. other podcasts or knows any of those other podcasts, please feel free to uh, link them to us because we are always happy to, you know, talk to other podcasters and, you know, do cooperative things or, or uh, just in general promote each other's stuff, so. And plug stuff Exactly, and yeah. We're very friendly. Because that's what CastCast is for. Yeah. The, the, the yeah, first time exactly. we've talked about podcasts on uh, CastCast It sort of turned into a, a community corner, as it were. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, I don't, I, I think I'm the only one on the podcast that actually watched any of their finale episode. But I, I hope that ArenaNet is paying attention to this. And more specifically, whoever's in charge of their PR policy of not saying anything and not telling us anything that's going to happen more than two weeks out. Because I really, Mm -hmm. I really sympathize with a lot of what they were saying. Because basically, they, they're all just frustrated and tired and don't see a future, really, for the game that, that they want to participate in. And they don't um, they feel like the the number of updates for Living Story has fallen off a lot this year, and they feel like all the stuff that happened with the new player experience was very, maybe not derogatory, but dismissive of veteran players. And you know, they're very, they're very, they're frustrated mm-hmm. to the point where they have literally said that they are never going to do another podcast in our style for Guild Wars Two again. Period. Even if they keep playing or come back to playing, um, and that's. You know, I mean, the the people that put in that much time and energy into keeping on 
talking about this stuff are you know some of the most dedicated people that are playing the game and it's a really scary sign it's a very scary sign when they're when they're starting to just call it quits and just say i'm done and you know um and i understand mm-hmm. you know i understand where they're coming from i mean i've gotten frustrated with a lot of these things and i'm definitely playing a lot less yep than i have in the past but you know i don't think we as a podcast are going anywhere soon but i i understand people's frustration and you know so so they're calling it quits yep so yeah best of best of luck to them in their their future endeavors because they're they're still producing content and i hope they continue to have fun with that i oh, i i did listen to the episode a little bit and i i felt what they were saying uh about you know burning out with the game but also um one of the things they talked about is they're very positive towards their community experience and and you know the relationships they built in the guilders community uh you know the desire to create community content because the guilders mm-hmm. community is so receptive and you know such a a, a a very positive relatively speaking force right um so i also feel that yeah yeah we went some well, compared to pretty much yeah. any um, game except like very right. few exceptions yeah. it it's incredibly yeah. positive so yeah i feel that too uh i'm very grateful to the guilders community for the putting up with me talking which really isn't that much of a feat because i mean spirit knows how to talk me on the other hand <laughs> i mean i show up to these things high and drugged up so uh so on that note i think it's time <laughs> to close the show out hold on hold on wheel of morality turn 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 what is the lesson that we should learn me don't drink painkillers and lots of sugary drinks. Are your painkillers in liquid form? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, well, for my wheel of morality, I'm going to say make sure that you actually get RSVPs from your guests that say that they're probably going to come to a party so you don't end up with three weeks worth of bad food that you shouldn't be eating if you're trying to lose weight because nobody showed up. Oh, well, not nobody. Some people showed up. In fact, our illustrious uh, original host, Ryan, a.k.a. Cole, showed up, which was great, because I've never talked to him in person before, so... Did he hit his no? head on the shuttle earlier? Because that what? happened. <laughs> He's very tall, if you don't know. And That's when really I met funny. him in person, he crashed uh, his head on no, the chandelier. No, he did not. He, uh, you know, he, he's, you know discovering that he's more of a cat person than he originally uh believed because our cats liked him and he seemed to like them so well just to say when i found myself in a similar situation not because people weren't showing up but because i overestimated how much they would actually eat because i apparently eat for like four people um just take the food to a soup kitchen or something yeah i'm i'm sure i'll be able to get rid of it and not by me eating it but still so anyway, with that, uh, we are signing off. We should be returning more to somewhat some semblance of regular scheduling uh, in the near future. So uh, thanks for listening. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. 
or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 